0: Yep. I think that's that, That's a great question because a lot of people try and focus on the deal and not having a great lender relationship, which really is more impactful in my opinion than the deal itself. So yeah. So yeah, I definitely love to, you know, win as much as I can with whatever that looks like. Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled Podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocations. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson.
1: Welcome to the Millionaires and Podcast. This is episode number 330. Stace, tis the season. How are you doing?
2: Well, we had a great Thanksgiving. Super happy to see all of my family. That was a lot of fun and a lot of people. There are six kids in my family and there are eighteen grandkids. So it is quite the party.
1: Yeah, and we've got Christmas lights up and we are we are rocking and rolling into the holidays. Can't wait for it. Super excited. I guess we just had Thanksgiving and the next holidays, Christmas here and then New Year's and with that comes a lot of uh some people refer to them as resolutions, but for me Take a very different approach, or we take a very different approach in kind of goal setting, and I think a lot of our millionaires do too. Actually, I don't think they necessarily use the format that I use or that we use, but uh, it's something that has come up on the show from the very beginning. That millionaires are very intentional about the things that they strive to accomplish, and those are at the forefront of their their minds. So, I like to take the Eight gardens of life approach, and I've modified it a little bit, but learned some of this from from a mentor and in, in David Osborne. And, uh, yeah, so relationship, family, spiritual contribution, health, intellectual, personal growth, lifestyle, adventure, my tribe, and social, uh, business, personal finance, and then relationships. So set goals across those categories every year. And this is about the time that, uh, We start kind of, I've already started it, I I should say, but we start kind of getting real in the weeds a little bit more with the intention that, you know, we'll wrap up, kind of review 23 over the next couple of weeks and get everything kind of wrapped up going into 24 so that it's not a, uh, it's not a play from behind, it's play from ahead uh, type deal. I think a lot of people get caught by the New Year, you get in the middle of holidays and everything that goes on around Christmas and you get to the new year and you're like, Oh shoot, I got to put some stuff together and try to try to get something. And then, you know, typically what happens is two weeks into January, most of those things are out the window. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited for 23 has been a phenomenal year and, uh, man, I couldn't be so couldn't be more excited for 24 though.
2: What are you so excited about for 24? Now I'm, I'm intrigued.
1: I mean, we've got the two, the twins coming. We've got just, I don't know, just a lot of, I'm just, I'm pumped. I mean, I got a lot of, a lot of big goals to hit this next year. And uh, I think it'll be, I think it's gonna be a good one.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad there there were no (laughs) curveballs. I never know with Jace. He, he always has life very planned, but then every once in a while it's like, Hey, I think we should buy this lot or <laughs> something, some, something big that I haven't heard of. Uh, so I'm glad that we didn't hear hear something first live. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm very excited about the new year. I agree in that I don't love New Year's resolutions because I feel like if you have a goal that you want to set, then do it now and take the steps now. There's not anything special about the new year. There's nothing special about every Monday do it tomorrow, do it today. You know, that is typically my, my MO, but I do find that the end of the year is a nice time of reflection and to kind of look back and see how you've done and, and moving forward. I, I think for sure when I was younger and before kids, I was uh, probably a lot more on top of my, my goals in terms of tallying exactly how many X, Y, Z I accomplished. And Um, certainly the throes of motherhood (laughs) in the younger years, uh, kind of, uh, make that a little bit more challenging, but I, I definitely try to keep my life principles, a North star.
1: Awesome. Well, with that, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Always looking for new great guests. We've got several coming up here in the pipeline and uh, had a few recently write in that I think the audience is really going to like. I haven't recorded those episodes yet, but we'll uh, begin here soon. And yeah, the schedule is open up for the new year. So we've got everything kind of lined out for 2024 and uh, yeah, looking to fill some slots. So if you're interested, send us an email, mailnerismveiled at gmail.com. We'll get you uh, scheduled and uh, on the calendar. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do so. helps us continue to grow the show. If you get any value from this podcast, would love to uh, get a little value back. Uh, either iTunes or Spotify. Spotify continues to grow like crazy, and we are able to interact a little bit more on there, too, with our audience, so that's great. Today's guest, Ferris, quite the story, net worth of 19 million most fits in real estate's got a little bit in cash uh i will note since our last guest we had a few comments right in about his roles at only 2.5 ferris and 19 million drives a kia with eighty five thousand miles on it he's a former tennis coach actually a former college tennis player and tennis coach and uh yeah got involved in real estate and has scaled his portfolio pretty quickly in fact has 700 units now and uh yeah, it's crazy story. He's an immigrant from Wales, which I guess some people probably like are like, Where's Wales? But it, it is not in the United States and he does have a little bit of a of, of an accent. But uh yeah, cool, cool, cool story. Came here to play tennis and then stayed and and uh another crazy American dream success story uh that he's living out. So gonna be a great episode uh today with Ferris. All right. Without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Ferris. Ferris, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and you're up to you now?
0: Yeah, sure. So my background is uh, all real estate related. Uh, my current portfolio consists of around 700 multifamily units in Northwest Indiana. Uh, and I'm going to stay in that track and just stay with multifamily.
1: Nice. And what is your net worth today?
0: Uh, net worth today is around 19 million. So that's spread obviously between uh, asset value and equity in those, which is about 17 million uh cash in the bank and then a couple websites.
1: Dang, this is crazy. So let's uh let's let's uh, start at the beginning. How did you get into multifamily and why did you select multifamily to begin with?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So initially was a tennis coach, came out of college, played professional tennis for a year, didn't like to travel, um got into tennis coaching. And the area I was coaching in, you know, I wanted an investment, tried some stock options, wasn't really feeling those. So ended up looking around on Zillow and found a single family home that looked like it would rent for you know a little over the one percent rule, however it says one percent rule. So ended up buying that for a hundred thousand, and the uh, resident who was moving in came to where I was coaching at the tennis center to drop off the first month's rent check, and I just remember staring at it for like a minute before I went back in, uh, being like, "Wow, this is great." So ended up you know from there trying to buy a duplex, a full unit, the smaller stuff, and just kind of scaled to where I am today.
1: And have you done all this with your own money or have you gone out and raised money too?
0: I uh, have not raised any money. It's all my own money. A couple of the larger properties, um, 100 plus, I've split with a pond of 50-50. But other than that, no, it's my own capital.
1: Wow. So how long did it take you to go? I mean, kind of walk us through the journey of going one to two to four to 100, 200, 800, or up to 700. I mean, how long did that take and kind of walk us through that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So at the end of 2017, uh, let me get this right. I think it was the end of 2017, was when I bought a single family home and a duplex. Um, so that year it was just three units. The next year, I think I added 12. Um, that was, you know, again, small stuff, four units, couple single family homes, duplexes. Following year after that was a little over 20. So again, like slow growth, smaller stuff. That year was then the next year was 2021. I ended up cash out refinancing a lot of those smaller properties that I had bought. So the duplexes, single family homes, um, and just started try and buy a little bigger stuff. So a fourteen unit, a twenty unit, a uh, twenty-eight unit, thirty-three, that kind of stuff. And then from there again, the same thing, cashed out, refinanced so those kind of mid-range buildings, the twenty-eight, the thirties, and rolled those up uh, into a hundred-plus stuff. So kind of a slow progression from smaller size stuff to mid-size to larger, you know, cashing out along the way.
1: Wow, this is pretty crazy. So at this point, you've got seven hundred units. Do you plan to keep acquiring, or are you kind of set for for now?
0: No, for me personally, I think I, I love what I do, and I love buying buildings. Honestly, my long term goal is fifty thousand plus. I mean, we'll see if I hit it, but you know, I'm planning to be ninety years old, still trying to conduct business. So <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. So when you started doing this, were you still working full time as a tennis coach or or kind yeah, of walk so us I through a little bit started, of that?
0: started uh, buying real estate. I was still working as a tennis coach and I worked for about two and a half years um into my real estate journey. So I had about forty five ish units when I decided to go full time uh on the real estate path.
1: Interesting. And when you were Doing these smaller deals, I mean, was the plan always to start stacking and getting into larger deals or did that just seem like a natural progression once you got to that point?
0: No, it honestly ended up being kind of a natural progression. My initial goal was to have like maybe a hundred units by the age of sixty when I started. And it was just, hey, let me try and get enough to, you know, supplement my job income or even like quit the job and just have the rental income coming in. Um, but I think over time it's just been a progression of like, okay, what's what's the next step, you know? So um, it just it so happened that I ended up getting into larger and larger stuff.
1: And these these units that that you've been buying, have you had to do any rehab to them or raise rents or forced depreciation in any way, shape, or form with increased revenues? Or has it been mainly just the market taking off the last few years that you've been able to do a lot of cash out refis?
0: So I think it's three separate things. I think number one is, you know, I used to do, and now I have a full team of brokers because we also broker deals at the separate company. but a lot of reach out direct to owner. So, you know, I'm looking at 100, 200 plus deals on the front end to buy one um, where the owner is just a little off on what the actual market price is. Number two, obviously the market did help in the last few years. It has gone up. Um, Number three, I am looking for stuff where there is a value add component. I I, I hate that word value add, but you know, where there's room to raise rent, stuff like that. Um, I'm not a heavy rehab guy, so I don't go in and Plan on you know a million two million bucks of capex. I just leave the units as is. Maybe put some vinyl flooring in, paint the units, and just where the rents are below market. Basically,
1: does the does the concentration of your portfolio at this point worry you at all? Do you plan on going other places, or do you keep investing in that same area? You know it so well.
0: I know it so well. So I'd love to just continue to buy there. I know the market there is great. Um, I know the demand for rentals is huge. It's it's very close to Chicago. Um, so that always helps in terms of population, the market there has gotten very tight and the larger deals are getting, uh, in, in my opinion, way too pricey for what it is, uh, the per door. So I'm definitely looking to go elsewhere. I'm, I'm buying a deal in Michigan right now. I'd love to do a deal in Wisconsin or Iowa too. I think those markets are great. Just the right one hasn't come across the table yet, but I'm, I'm definitely looking for anything hundred plus that works at this point. Yeah.
3: Wow. What a journey. I was not expecting the number 700. <laughs> When you answer that first that first question, and really you've grown from one to over 700 in six years. That is absolutely wild. So you start this, you're a tennis coach, and obviously at some point you've switched over and you mentioned this brokerage. So talk us through that. Did you become an agent yourself to help assist with this? Kind of give us some more, get, let's get a little bit more granular here on that journey.
0: Yeah, so that was after two and a half years. I had about forty five units. Uh, went full time into real estate. I did have a real estate license prior to that, but I ha- I wasn't active. I wasn't using it. Um, I actually, met the the co founder of our commercial group, um, Tarek. Once I quit my tennis job, just by happen chance at the brokerage I put my license with, and he was like, "Hey, you you call a lot of owners. You know, if you don't have the capital to buy them, or you don't want them, there's other people out there that, that would buy these deals." So. He's like, why don't we call? And if there's something you don't want, why don't we just list it or find a buyer for it? So that's what we started to do: was reach out to properties where maybe at the time I didn't have the capital, so I would have stopped calling. But we're like, hey, do you want to sell? And they're like, yeah. And then we meet them and list the property. So we get a lot of business that way to start off with. Um, and then from there, it just kind of went from you know knowing a lot of buyers in that market because we pretty much called everyone, and people are saying, hey, we're looking to buy too. So if you come across something, you know, pass it our way. So from that i think we've just commanded that market in terms of the you know duplex to thirty unit trades um, which is really supplemented you know i take that cash and i put it into to buying my own deals but um, yeah so at the time that was about 2020 was when i fully started getting into the brokering side of business and so now like i basically have two separate companies which is brokering larger buildings across the midwest um, anything from a two unit in northwest indiana all the way up to you know a couple hundred units we'll do in iowa wisconsin stuff like that Um, and then obviously just, just my portfolio of buying the multifamily too. Wow.
3: That's, that's amazing. And how about the management side of this? I'm assuming you have a property management group you're working with, or are you doing at what point did you switch that over?
0: Yeah. So when I had about 120 units was when I hired my first maintenance guy. Um, and I was still dealing with like the office myself, leasing that sort of stuff, customer service, um, hit 250. That was two maintenance guys and my director, um, who's still my director now. Um, he helped handle more of the office. And at this point, I believe we're eight maintenance technicians, um, director, leasing specialist, and a, a couple people kind of back-end office. So um, I grew my own property management company just to keep it all in-house. It's way easier that way, you know, way more cost-effective. And realistically, with this many units, it's very tough to hand that off to a property management company for them to actually you know, not mess it up. <laughs> so yeah, you got kind of got to keep it in-house.
3: Wow, that that's amazing.
1: So over the years, I guess really just been a few years, talk me through your your mindset on liquidity and having cash available for deals. And as you've grown, is there kind of a ratio that you try to maintain at all?
0: I, I try and obviously maintain a better ratio now than I did before. Um, before I had like 8K in the bank, you know, after I closed the deal. And I was meant to have like, you know, $10,000 tenant deposits on hand. I don't know whether I should say that, but, you know, it's basically basically in the red <laughs> um, as I was trying to, you know, get out of the, the whole W-2 grind and, and grow my portfolio. So, you know, we're looking a little better than 2000 right now. Um, <laughs> I, I keep the liquidity a little better. But, you know, I think just one month for me of realistically monthly expenditure is totally fine. So for me to operate the company is about five fifty. So if I have that on hand at all times, I feel pretty confident, especially when I would break even with all my expenses if I had like 210 vacant units, which realistically is never going to happen. So, you know, I, th- I think around 500K is what I try and keep in the bank right now.
1: Have you increased your lifestyle at all as you've grown this?
0: Um, no, I, I haven't at all, actually. I, uh, people make fun of my Kia, but I love my Kia. You know, I think a Kia is a great car.
2: Um, You're worth twenty
1: million dollars and you drive a Kia, man. Yeah. You got to go get on a
0: commercial, bro. I love it. Yeah, no, this
2: Kia. <laughs> is you and LeBron.
0: Great. Yeah, Kia <laughs> um, is great. I mean, I was living in a two hundred k condo for the longest time. I love condos. I have no need for a giant house, but yeah, no, no, no lifestyle creep with me. I just, um for me, the I don't know the more rewarding thing and the thing I enjoy most is buying properties. So. You know, I never got into this for the for my pool in the backyard kind of thing. How many miles does that Kia have on it? You know, it's got like eighty five thousand now. <laughs> I've been Are driving, you gonna upgrade the Kia? I've been driving it to and from Dallas, man. It's a lot of lot of miles. <laughs> uh, Are you gonna upgrade that Kia? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm just gonna buy another Kia Stinger in a couple of years.
1: <laughs> hey, the Kia Stinger
0: is actually pretty slick,
1: man. That's like it's not I feel like time. that's a sports it's car.
0: It's yeah, it's comfy, it's reliable, it's everything I need.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. So, I mean, you mentioned 50,000 units at this point. I mean, is that mind-blowing a little bit, given you're 700, or do you kind of have this planned out on paper to get there by by the time you're, what did you say, 90?
0: Yeah, I kind of mapped it out kind of recently, where if I like 1.15x, the amount of units I buy every year, I can definitely hit 50,000 by like 70-ish. So we'll see if that actually works out. I mean, that's a large number to hit, and I'm going to have to be buying probably assets I don't want to buy in markets where I don't want to be so you know we'll see how it works out but realistically I'd love to get to that number I think the largest ownership group in America is like NNA. they've got a little over a hundred thousand so obviously they're over though. but yeah I mean it's 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 doable
1: yeah for sure as you've grown this you know one of the things that I think people probably don't realize is is the lending gets very different when you go from these one to fours to tens and even small these smaller middles to the to the massive ones Walk us through kind of how your lender relationships have, have changed over the years and, and what you've done to, to kind of foster those.
0: Yep, I think that's, that, that's a great question because a lot of people try and focus on the deal and not having a great lender relationship, which really is more impactful, in my opinion, than the deal itself. So initially, obviously, you're kind of scrambling to get loans. It's not easy. You're trying to reach out to some banks. You have no idea which bank is the best one to use. Maybe the terms aren't too favorable. I think over time, I've learned that You know, you really got to um, show a bank that you know what you're doing, like always keep keep updating them every month, you know, send them a rent roll, send them a rent, uh, a new lease, show you've increased the rent. Um, I put a personal packet together on myself, which is about a 40 page PowerPoint presentation um, for new banks, just on me, my background, um, real estate schedule, global cash flow, that stuff. So I think introducing yourself in a very organized manner and showing, you know, your resume almost to the bank is a great starting point for any new relationship. Um, and then always meeting face-to-face. I think lenders really love to meet you, get lunch with you, know who they're trying to do business with. That, that always seems to make them feel a lot more comfortable than a quick phone call, hey, can you do this deal for me? Yes, no. So that's kind of what I found. And I, I try to use the same banks uh, as much as I can until like they kind of get tapped out. Um, but yeah, I think finding lenders, especially now with what's going on in this market with rates and stuff, is getting a lot harder. So, I think it's just a lot about reaching out to people, a lot of meetings. And you know, if, if some people give you a no, like I still get no's now, just, just keep pulling new banks. I think that's, I think a no discourages people instead of, they should be like, okay, I'm just going to call 20 more. And so they just think, well, if they said no, then everyone's going to say no, but that's just not the case. Huh. I know how that goes. <laughs> just yeah. Doing it right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's,
1: it's funny how, how one says no and one says yes. Right. It's mind blowing.
0: It's the terms change so differently, right. From each bank. And, you know, usually you get discouraged, right? But now it's just like, even now it's, it's crazy, right? The spreads on what banks will offer people. It's so.
1: crazy. I just had, I had a new request yesterday with, with a bank. I'm trying to do one of these deals. <laughs> they came to me and said, after I gave them one of my bank statements, they're like, oh, okay, well we're only going to do this now if you become a deposit customer with them. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like how many, how, you, you didn't tell me this a week ago, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs>
3: that sounds like we're taking some people to lunch.
1: Yeah
0: yeah
3: grab- making a powerpoint i'll get the deck going
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah grab some lunch them give them a powerpoint they'll love that
1: yeah tell us about this powerpoint did you create it or did you end up outsourcing that or i mean you're a tennis coach how'd you learn powerpoint
0: uh no i had a friend like finish off the powerpoint stuff i just kind of came up with the material i'm really not tech savvy um <laughs> but uh you know it's, it's pretty straightforward you know it's my background where i grew up um what i did prior to coming to college how i ended up in america the reason behind what I do and, and why I do it, and my long term goals, and kind of what I want to do with the foundation to give back. You know where my units are currently, how I manage those units, uh, the companies I currently own, how those run. So I think you know it's all that kind of stuff in the in the presentation um, that I send out. Thanks.
3: Where did where did you uh, where are you originally from?
0: Originally from Wales.
3: What brought you here?
0: Uh, college tennis, actually. Played for University of Illinois.
3: Wow. So. When you came to America, did, did you plan on staying at all?
0: Uh, it's a great question. Honestly, when I arrived, probably not. I didn't think I'd end up being here, but I don't know. I just love the American culture a lot. I think uh, you know, if you want to achieve some stuff in America, you can a lot more easier than Europe. And I just I like that about this country a lot.
3: And we all love your accent, so it was a perfect match.
0: I guess so. Yeah, people people Ooh. tell me Boston now though. They what? People tell me that I'm from Boston. They think I'm from Boston.
3: <laughs> I'm just proud of myself that I accidentally made a tennis pun in there when I said it was a perfect match.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes.
3: So oh. w- was this on the radar at, although you came here for tennis, did you have dreams of making Buku Bucks or did you kind of just stumble upon this?
0: No, I kind of just stumbled upon it, honestly. I never had aspirations to like be a business owner or do anything like grand in, in that kind of way. I was just, you know, I, I wanted to play professional tennis. That was one of my main goals and reasons for coming here. I was very competitive. But I just think that competitiveness transferred into business rather than sports at the end of the day.
3: I was going to say, it sounds like it's still there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely love to, you know, win as much as I can with whatever that looks like.
3: Now, I don't know very much about uh, about immigrating to the U.S. Did you have any problems or do you have any problems with lending and properties. Are you a citizen now? Does that matter? I'm really not sure.
0: Yeah. So I'm a citizen now. So that is not a problem. Initially, if you want to get a loan without a green card, you can't, but I was on a green card. So yeah, green card. Now I'm a citizen, so no issues at all.
3: So you really needed to have that job in order for you to have even acquired your first property then?
0: Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Awesome. And do you have a family? We haven't actually been through how old are you how old were you when you became your became a millionaire and uh kind of fill us in on first million to to going forward
0: yeah so today i'm 29 i think probably the first million was around 20 25 26 ish and uh yeah just just from there kind of grew to where I am now, family-wise, they're all back in uh, the UK. My mother and father live back there, so currently no family here.
3: Awesome, and no, uh, no spouse or children.
0: No children. I was married up until earlier this year. Uh, just very amicable, very different people, so we ended up separating, but still on great terms. Great.
1: Tell us about the the foundation that you mentioned. You know, immigrating here and kind of your mindset and things that you plan to do going forward.
0: Yeah, so I in the long run I'd love to start a foundation which is focused on adoptions to the US. Um I think there's a lot of people out there, especially children, who don't have a chance to succeed, but given that chance would probably do very great things. So obviously, you know, we can all say I- I'm doing good, but it was because I had a chance. And if I was in a impoverished country or third world country, without that chance, where would where would I be? You know? So I don't think that's very fair. So I wanna try and get as many kids here, you know, a thousand plus would be great adoptions wise as possible. The adoption process is expensive, but I know families that would love to have an adopted child. So long term that's one of my main goals and focuses, I think, is to give a lot of children opportunity to be successful here in America.
1: Awesome. You still play tennis?
0: Not really. Maybe like once a month, especially in Dallas with 110 degrees, not even that. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> just just walking outside is like a workout, man.
3: <laughs> let, let's not let jace be bashful here he's won a few tennis tournaments oh,
1: oh geez honey don't even get into that <laughs> at that con- country club
3: man are them. i think they're like five teams but he's won twice they're at okay. the country
0: club they don't count <laughs> that's awesome clay play uh clay court country club tournament
1: i wish it was clay court. i actually have only played on one clay court in my life out in uh, eastern europe but oh, wow. uh okay yeah, no, they're just hard courts. But one of the one of these days, maybe, uh, you know, as I've aged, I've stopped playing quite as much basketball and have you know gone over to country club sports like tennis and golf, to, you know, pickleball,
3: where, where he's the youngest participant and has We're a chance. On, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. what it is.
0: Yeah, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. So fifty thousand units. You got this foundation. I mean, where where else does Ferris go from here? You know, in terms of your life lifestyle. I know you've you know, got big dreams to, to get there. Um, you know, you're driving to Kia, man. I mean, what, 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 what's still, uh, what's still in the pipeline
0: for you? Still in the pipeline, obviously, you know, oh, I think for me, one day a, a big happy family would be great. That's, that's one of my main goals too, as well. Like I said, I'm in the process of moving to Dallas. Eventually when I pick a place here settle down, I think, you know, either here or maybe good, good things about Tennessee, South Carolina. I was thinking here until this heat hit me. So I don't, I don't know about that anymore. We'll, we'll see.
1: Just, um, just wait for a month.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait for month. Then so,
1: you, then you'll experience the joys of Texas.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So no, I think just kind of picking a location where I, I, can see myself settling down. Uh, family, obviously, continue to grow the real estate portfolio as much as I can. You know, grow the business. I, I think that's something that I love to do more than mainly anything else. And then yeah, when it, when it's time, I think I want to start the foundation, but. The, for me, those are the main goals. I don't have anything else grand plan, really.
1: Why Why did you decide to move away from the area that you've been investing in?
0: If you've ever been in Chicago in the wintertime, you'd know. I mean, that <laughs> place sucks, <looks>, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess, just, just, you know, minus 10, once in a lifetime vortexes that happen apparently every year are just not fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I, I can't do another winter there. And I, I think I'm ready for a change and some better weather. We talked a little bit about
1: you used to be married. Can you just kind of walk us through, I mean, as you built this net worth, you know, you hear in the media, especially I think the most recent with Jeff Bezos and, you know, the, the, the divorce, you know, some people, I think the old the old phrase is, you know, marriage is grand and, and divorce costs a hundred grand or whatever. As you built this net worth, I mean, have a prenup, kind of walk us through that. It's something we haven't touched on the show at all, I don't think.
0: Yeah, so there was no prenup in place when we got married. We were both very young. I think divorce looks a lot worse when you start getting lawyers involved because they're trying to get paid, you know, so. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that take it all, all right? Yeah, pretty (laughs) much, exactly. I'm like, we could give half of this to lawyers or we could just figure it out right now, so, yeah. That
1: makes it easy, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yep, no, I agree. But, um, yeah, I think I'm not trying to get married again without a prenup. (laughs) So...
1: I, I was just about to ask at this point, I mean, is that kind of a non-negotiable for you
0: to, to have much, a prenup it in pretty place? Much has to be, Yeah. And I, and I don't even know, like, I would need like 10 lawyers to tell me this prenup is like ironclad solid or I would, you know, consider. So spend
1: the, spend the money on the lawyers on the yeah. next go round yeah. instead yeah. of on, yeah. on the break of this first one, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, let's uh, wrap up with some rapid fire questions. What's the uh, most expensive pair of shoes that you've purchased?
0: <laughs> oh man um i don't know like a hundred dollar johnson and miffy shoes. <laughs> maybe
1: i should ask you what's the most expensive tennis racket that you purchased or maybe you got them for free because i know you were what top 400 on the uh, atp at one point
0: yeah top 400 so yeah they were they were pre- they were free pretty much um <laughs> you know pro- pro- like, you know head head tennis rackets for like 150 170 bucks they probably more now, like 200
1: yeah, no, the re- most recent racket I bought, I got in trouble for, is was like 250 bucks.
0: Wow, those prices went up. I've Who'd looked.
3: you get in trouble by?
1: I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> I didn't even know you bought a $250 racket.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that's hard. No, that, that's good. What's the uh, most expensive meal out that you paid for?
0: Most expensive meal out? Probably a couple hundred bucks at a nice steak restaurant, I guess, maybe like 250
1: Okay. What about the most expensive experience or trip that you've been on?
0: I think the most expensive trip is probably the one coming up here. I got an Alaskan cruise like the end of September, so we'll see how that goes. Never done a cruise before.
1: Did you? Did you pay for it already, or are you waiting to pay for it?
0: No, I paid for it. Yeah. yeah
1: how much did that run you?
0: Like five grand, two people. Five oh,
1: okay. Grand. Yeah. That's terrible.
0: Oh, crazy. Yeah.
1: Nice. First cruise though, you said.
0: Yeah, unless you count like a Disney cruise when I was like eight years old, which. <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna count that you weren't paying I'm for that yeah, okay <laughs> yeah so.
1: okay or what's an important lesson that you learned from childhood
0: uh important lesson i learned from childhood i think that high school um if we're counting that as childhood is great but also there's a lot of gaps in what they do and don't teach you and also from a time management perspective so you know for me, I think I want to homeschool my kids, is one of the less thing.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: What's the uh, most fun that you've had with money? Most fun I've had. I've got to say, buying a large complex. If that counts.
3: <laughs> the, the most fun he's had is spending money to make more money.
0: Yeah. That's the most fun. <laughs> yeah. Look at the smile on this guy's face. I mean, he's loving it.
1: <laughs> he's loving it. Okay. What? Uh, see here. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to earn money?
0: Craziest thing I've ever done. Um, I was on Instacart and Uber Eats for about four months. Was that while you were in college? No, that was actually uh, when, after I got done with the tennis job. And I was like, had 40 units. I thought I'd be pretty busy, but I wasn't busy. So I was like Instacarting like 12 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. like during COVID too, people were paying like $100, like a few items. It was great. I was making like 500 bucks a day.
3: <laughs> you were on the front line. I you went to the store for people line yeah
0: i was out there shopping. yeah <laughs> in the middle of chicago oh man i love it yeah
1: okay uh luck skill or hard work how would you rank them
0: um hard work i would have to put at i think 40% i think i'd have to give like 45% to skill and then 15% to luck
1: okay and any any reason why
0: um Yeah, I think, you know, initially as you build knowledge and try and learn things, hard work matters in the beginning, but then eventually skill and knowledge have to take over. The amount of physical work and effort you put in, just making a good decision can make you more money than 500 hours of hard work eventually, hopefully. So I think that's why skill will outrank hard work. And then also, you know, everyone needs some luck and going to have different opportunities at different times. So I think staying opportunistic allows you to act on the luck you can have.
1: What's a closely held belief that you once had that you recently changed your mind on?
0: Tough question, man. Well, I I did think I wanted warmer weather, but I I think I've changed my mind.
3: <laughs> there, there's a max. There's a max warmth that's yeah. ideal.
0: Exactly. I realize- and in
3: Texas, we like we like to exceed it just yeah. a little bit. Yes. For way too many days. But then, like October through April to beginning of May is great.
0: Yeah. So I think I've changed my view on there is definitely a max temperature that I want to be in. <laughs> you you went from freezing
1: in Chicago in the winter to a middle of the summer in Texas. I'm going to – I'm gonna, and I know you didn't ask for this advice, but I'm going to give you a little bit of it. What you got to do is spend your falls and or springs in Texas. Go take your winters down to Florida or maybe Central America and okay. then go pick somewhere north to have your summers and you'll be set. And you've got enough – flexibility to do so because you're single and you own a lot of real estate
0: <laughs> yeah i i was thinking for the summers here yeah, it seems like a lot of people do travel so
1: they do, they do which makes it nice you get out of the you know you leave july august or whatever yeah. in 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 the, in the heat and go take a vacation and yeah i mean it's very common and you got a great airport there to go wherever you want to do it uh and then everybody comes back for school i yeah. mean it's very I, common
3: on a positive note, we crank the AC so people that are not from Texas they're like, "Why is every building so freezing cold and yes. it's because we compensate
0: yeah, that's awesome
1: awesome what uh what's the final piece of advice that you give to somebody who's just starting out
0: uh, I think the final piece in real estate or in business in general or
1: yeah anything
0: any anything I think the the, the best piece of advice I can give someone is is to be a sponge and to always ask questions to everybody and anybody. I think anyone you meet, you can always learn something from, no matter what that may be. And if you're the one you know, talking the most, you probably won't learn much. So try and ask as many questions as possible to as many people as possible.
1: Awesome. That's Ferris with a net worth of nineteen million or $18, $19 million. It's probably rounding up right now. I don't know. You're around $20 million. Thanks for
0: coming on the show today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.